Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Well, we started the morning hearing about how Michelle is uh, physically scarred because she's got <laughs> what we think is a broken toe. Yeah, it's rough. And now she's emotionally scarred by what she has heard from Jeff Passan. And you told me during the, the break, you're angry. I'm furious. As the seconds tick by, my anger is escalating because we are really at the precipice. We are we are staring into the abyss of a 2020 baseball season going by the wayside, Randy, because these two parties cannot check their egos at the door and come to a compromise. And it is incredibly frustrating for me as a lifelong baseball fan, as someone who loves baseball, to think that it won't be the health health and safety of the players and it won't be the circumstances surrounding the pandemic that stops baseball from happening in 2020, but rather egos and money. And as somebody that carries the torch for baseball and defends baseball to many of my friends who have left baseball years ago, I feel betrayed. I feel like, hey, I have had your back all this time I've invested in you emotionally, financially, from a time standpoint, and this is how you're going to do me baseball? Really? This is what you're going to do? When I need you most, this is what you're going to do to me? And I wonder if they have any idea, because you are a representative of the fans. You're a conduit to the fans. We're, we're fans with access. You and I are, are, are fans with access. And I wonder if they have any idea what they're doing to their product by alienating their fans. Even if they do come back, there are going to be people that say... You didn't have to be like this. Here's Jeff Hassan of ESPN. It just looks so stupid. That's the frustrating part of this, right? That baseball could and should have been done with this a long time ago. But it missed that chance. And now, amid all of these other things, the sport looks even worse and really, I think, is is bothering fans, longtime fans, hardcore fans, who say, why can't we just play some baseball? And not only is it longtime hardcore fans, but that group is a dwindling group anyway Mm -hmm. because they aren't doing a great job. One of the reasons that Rob Manfred always espouses having a greater pace of play and his rules changes, implements the rules changes, is because he knows that the group under 30, maybe under 40, really isn't paying an awful lot of attention to his sport. If you were worried about fixing baseball before, good luck trying to fix it after this. Good luck trying to implement any sort of pace of play or tweaks to the game that is going to bring back the casual fan that you have burned after this. It's more stunning now that 
Now MLS is going to return on Monday in Orlando. The NBA is going to return. The NHL is going to return. We haven't heard word one about money with the NFL. The only sport, golf, we haven't heard anything. Mm-hmm. The only sport we've ever heard a discussion about money in returning is baseball. Now, granted, baseball hadn't played any regular season games. They have much more to deal with. But the fact that money did get into the conversation is just so MLB. So MLB. Not only that it got into the conversation, that it became the conversation. The only conversation. And at the beginning of that statement, Randy, you said, I wonder if they have any idea what the general sports fan, the general baseball fan is thinking of this. And they clearly don't. They clearly are so self-involved and they're looking at the micro and their own personal wants and they have not looked at the macro and the ripple effects and how this will impact the viability of baseball. Because if they even had any ounce of a reality check of how this is coming off to the general public and how the court of public opinion isn't saying I'm team owner anymore. They're not saying I'm team player anymore. We've kind of all shifted to I'm anti-baseball at this point. Right. And if they had any inkling that that was going on, you'd think that they would come to their senses. Meanwhile, there are good things happening in sports. As we know, next year, it would have been this year, but next year before the Olympics, St. Louis is going to host the USA Gymnastics Championships at Enterprise Center. That'll be fun, and we'll see the best that the USA has to offer here in St. Louis. And right now, St. Louis and the St. Louis Sports Commission are pursuing the USA Swimming Championships, oh. and they would set it up at the Dome at, at America's dome. Center. Yeah, they'd put a massive pool in there, and hopefully we get back to normal and we get a chance to have a big crowd in there. But that would be something that the Dome is used for, is the the National Swimming Championships. And I, I saw a picture of the, ren- the rendering the other day of what it would look like. It would be unbelievably cool. That sounds uh, so fun. Yeah. So, and... and Obviously, by that time, Michael Phelps isn't going to be swimming anymore, but I would think that we'll see the residue of the popularity of Michael Phelps and people that got interested in swimming, kind of like the golfers that are playing now because of Tiger. There's going to be a great crop of swimmers in the United States because of people like Phelps and Katie Ledecky uh, and uh, Missy Franklin. I I would think that we're going to see a highly competitive U.S. swimming team for a long time. Which is amazing. I also loved to see how stadiums transform, how you can have the turf down at the dome and then all of a sudden it's equipped for swimming or how at Enterprise Center you can have it be a hardwood and then the ice is there. The way that they're able to to actually assemble all of that is so fascinating to me. Yeah, it's, it's the creativity is remarkable when you think about how you can go from a football field to a basketball court mm-hmm. and swimming uh, in some circumstances even build a little bonfire <laughs> on your turf. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was bad. That was really bad. That was, no, that was that was Rams. That was just so Rams. Classic Rams. Classic. <laughs> and people slipping and sliding, getting injured on that stuff. Yeah, Gosh, Reggie man. Bush. Yeah, yeah they won a lawsuit do, against do them. anything right, those guys. So if you don't remember, I think it was in 2015, their last season here, an NFL game was delayed for about 15 or 20 minutes because as the Rams were introducing their players with their fireworks, one of the burning embers of the fireworks fell on the turf and started a little fire. Do you think they did that on purpose so that they wouldn't have to play and then they could just make the fans that much more upset? Probably. I don't don't know if they would have gone that far because that's pretty embarrassing. 
Although I don't know if they understand that concept either. So I mean, have you seen their uniforms, Randy? Oh yeah, they good bask point. in embarrassment. <laughs> it's almost Fair. like embarrassment is their identity now. It's it really like, is, even among their own fans, apparently. Yeah. It's pretty funny. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN coming up. You're killing me, Smalls. Michelle will have some great stuff for us next up on Character and Smallman. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. All right, I'm looking forward to this one, and uh, we'll get things started. You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, we were in quarantine for a while. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, at least conversations my friends and I were having was, how are we going to be socially when we emerge from this? Are we going to be weirdos after this? After we haven't had interaction with humans for a while and we've just been around our immediate circle? And I think we're starting to see some residue from quarantine of people not really having reality check. Reality is a little distorted, I think, for some people. And there's this video going around the internet. It went viral. You know how people are dubbing other people Karens? Mm -hmm. Well, they're calling this Grand Karen because this grandma was out at a park. And Randy, you know those uh, mechanical cars? They're kind of like big power wheels, cars that little children sit in and they yes. drive. Uh -huh. Not an actual vehicle. Right? A little tiny right. car that's power controlled, usually in a backyard or maybe in the street at your neighborhood or at a park, also an acceptable place to do this. So a uh, mother was there with her children. They were driving around in the Power Wheels car and Grand Karen took major, major umbrage with them doing this. They're playing. That's what the park is for. I never saw a car in here before. It's a, it's a power wheel It doesn't car, bother man. me. What bothers me is you have a little kid in here that doesn't have a driver's license. He's just a little kid. You're not with him. It's not a real car. <laughs> Again, these cars are, they go five miles an hour max. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> he doesn't even have a driver's license. She's like, it's not a real car. But again, I know everyone wants to cancel Grand Karen, but part of me is like, we have emerged from a very rough time. Grand Karen might not have seen a vehicle in a long time. We don't know. So we're giving her the benefit of the doubt here. I'm going to try to, because if not, that's just crazy. It could just be crazy. It could just be crazy. You're right. But imagine being the woman on the other side of that, trying to have that conversation with someone who doesn't realize that these are not. I loved how she was laughing. Cars. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, no, he has his license. You want to see it? <laughs> Classic. You're killing me, Smalls. Speaking of kids, Randy, would you like to hear some data? I would. It's upsetting data, but okay. would you like to hear some data? I'll hear it nonetheless. So the mirror in the United Kingdom mm -hmm. did, or they published a survey carried out by the National Organization for Fetal Alcohol Syndrome. And the survey talked to 2,000 18 to 25 year olds and found out that a quarter of those 2,000 18 to 25 year olds do not know that the chief medical officer's guidance is that if a pregnant or planning a pregnant woman, that they should not avoid alcohol. So just to paraphrase that, a quarter of young adults that were surveys do not know that a pregnant woman shouldn't drink. Is this a survey done in the UK? Do you know? Yes. Okay, so it's UK women. 18 to 25 that years. Is two 2,000 of them. So 500. That's incredibly alarming. And that's a reasonable sample size, too. But probably been the case for a while and probably explains a lot of the people that we're hearing and seeing now. They allow those people on social media, too. That's Randy! Randy. I'm just saying. 
I just imagine these people doing the survey and they're like, wait, really? That's your answer? I hope that at the end of the survey they say, now, there is a rule here. that Not just for the betterment of you, but for the betterment of your child. It's probably not a good idea to have that uh, highball before you go to bed at night while you're pregnant. Probably not. Put down the Guinness. <laughs> Unbelievable. We shouldn't be laughing, but no, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's alarming. It's, and it is. It's incredibly alarming. If I was doing that survey, after it was done, I would say thank you for participating. I also feel it is my obligation to let you know right. that that it's recommended that women do not drink while pregnant. It kind of should be a law. I mean, if you're, I, I know that uh, we've got the, the my body, my choice thing, but that don't you think that we should probably... Yeah. Prevent people from drinking while they're pregnant. Find a way. It is your body, your choice, Randy. But I think whether you choose to have a glass of wine every now and again, past a certain stage, if your doctor allows it, whatever that may be, you also go into that choice knowing that you shouldn't be drinking consistently when you're pregnant. Yeah. I think that, that's a good thing to know. That's a good, that's a good thing to know. You're killing me, small. So, Randy, some good news out of the MLS. So, Kevin Durant, we knew that he wanted to get an ownership at some point. Back in December, he told Forbes that he wanted to own an NBA team one day. Well, he took his first step towards ownership because he bought a stake in the Philadelphia Union, which is the MLS team there. Uh, the stake is between 1% and 5%. Now, he is from the D.C. area. He's played in Oklahoma City and Golden State and now with the Brooklyn Nets. I have no idea. Did, in the story, did it say what his connection is to the ownership of the Philadelphia Union? It just... Well, he had previously attempted to purchase a stake in D.C. United, so okay. he did try so, to do that first. Okay, so he got in touch. Owners knew him. This is great on multiple fronts. Number one, I'm one of those people who thinks that minority ownership of sports teams is something that has to become more prevalent. We need more minorities that are making decisions of pro, in pro sports teams. The other thing that I think this is great for is, as you said, his ability to learn about how to run a franchise when he does inevitably get at least a portion of an NBA team. I believe that getting that experience now will benefit Kevin Durant. I think it's very cool. I think it's great for the MLS as a whole, too, yep. to have star power like Kevin Durant oh. attached to it. And as uh, as Taylor Twelman told us, soccer is the most racist sport. Having an African-American owner in our country hopefully will draw more minorities in because the fans certainly are being welcoming across the board to uh, minorities into soccer. Without a doubt. And it seems like getting a stake in soccer ownership is the new cool thing to do amongst NBA stars because James Harden owns 3.5% of the Houston Dynamo and LeBron James purchased 2% of Liverpool back in 2011. And Chris Long wanted to be part owner of our MLS franchise here with the, the Dave Peacock ownership. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen now, but I thought it was cool that Chris wanted to be involved here in St. Louis too. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome, Randy. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in to You're Killing Me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. By the way, what, is it Ronaldo that just became a billionaire? I think uh, he... There was an athlete... Yep, that just, he's, he's, their, he's soccer's first billionaire. Yeah, so that's pretty cool, too, that he'll wind up... It, uh, he has a great love of the sport. He'll wind up owning a franchise at some point. And now we're up to Tiger, Ronaldo... 
and Michael as sports billionaires, athlete billionaires. And I have to believe we have LeBron can't be far away, right? We'll have more on the way. Sure. And uh, Randy, do you think when Ronaldo does get an ownership stake in a team, I mean, think about what the salon aspect is going to look like within that within that stadium. I mean, you're going to have, a, a if you're a player, a place to get your hair cut, mm-hmm. probably a place to get your suits tailored. He's going to really set that up. He has the look, doesn't he? he he's well put together. He looks like an athletic superstar. He really does. They used to have during day games at Bush Stadium, the hair saloon for men would be out in right field doing haircuts for guys. This is going to be like $150 haircuts at his stadium, right? Oh, for sure. And it's going to, I wonder if they'll just have a haircut named the Ronaldo. Just so a guy can go in and say, just yeah, give me the Ronaldo. But it's hard because he changes his look so much. That's, that's one. Of, that's one of the things about these these international soccer stars. They are constantly evolving their looks. Think about all the looks David Beckham's had. True. Good point. The Blues Poho and general manager Doug Armstrong is next on 101 ESPN. One, two, three, four. Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Good to have you with us on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN. And the NHL announced yesterday that they are transitioning to phase two of their return to play plan. Teams will be allowed to reopen training facilities in their cities on Monday if they desire and if local regulations allow it. So we have fortuitous timing in talking to the president of hockey operations and general manager of the St. Louis Blues, Doug Armstrong. Army, it's always good to hear your voice. How you doing? I'm real good. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, we're we're excited about having you. And first of all, uh, I, I want to talk about players coming back. And as you mentioned to Jim Thomas uh, in the post-dispatch, you are going to give the players the, the choice. And it's got to be pretty cool as a general manager when you can trust and empower the players like you and, and Craig Bruby and the staff do. Yeah, we're very fortunate to have a, a strong uh, leadership group led by uh, Alex Petrangelo. Uh, Alexander Steen and, Ter- and Vladi Tarasenko, and uh, uh, we know that our guys are going to be ready. Uh, there's there's uh, <clears throat> some guidelines they need to follow to come back into our arena. Uh, you're only allowed six people in at any one time, six people on the ice. And I said to the players, uh, if you if you have a situation where you're comfortable training with more people, I think guys are skating groups of ten at other places. Uh, stay where you're at, it and just let us know when you need us need our help to open up. And uh, certainly, when we get close to phase three, which uh, the earliest that's going to be by the NHL uh, statement is July 10th. So I would imagine, you know, in, in a couple of weeks we'll open up and hope the guys will start to trickle back in. But uh, our goal is to be ready when they when they say phase four, which is probably the end of July, early August, to to compete to to win a championship. I mean, there's so many uncertainties in this situation right now because we've never dealt with it before. So whether it's from a chemistry standpoint, a virus standpoint, a conditioning standpoint, what concerns do you have about players coming back? Well, it's just uh, the unknown of what's going to happen if if someone does get tested positive, uh, you know, Quite honestly, uh, again, I don't, I'm not a medical professional. It seems not to be affecting uh, NHL players uh, in the sense, not not just because they're hockey players, but young people in great shape. Uh, so yeah, I'm not really just sure how it's all going to shake out. So you have those concerns, and and uh, you know we've we've. Uh, a younger team that a lot of kids, a lot of people are having uh, children right now. You want to make sure in their mind they're safe that they're coming to work and able to go home in phase uh, phase two and three and not uh, take anything home. So there's there's things that we just as you said we haven't dealt with and we want to just make sure everyone's uh, comfortable in the environment that we that we're creating. Army until last week when Gary Bettman made the announcement about coming back, we really didn't have anything concrete. You obviously had more information than we in the media did, but I, I want to know what your communication with your players 
has been like, and especially when you didn't know what was going to happen. What what has that communication been like between you and the players? Uh, I, I've, I've tried to reach out to everybody once or twice during this uh, this downtime, but mostly just with our leadership group uh, and Colton Pranko. Colton's our uh, our player representative, uh, or the player representative uh, from the players to the NHLPA, the union. And so I talked to him last night again, just uh, see, asking if there's anything we could do uh, to help him out in his job. But uh, Craig has talked to each player, and the, and the assistant coaches have, have have stayed in touch with guys. But as a manager, I've just tried to stay maybe at at thirty thousand feet and just talk to uh, the leadership group and let them uh, share the information that I can give them. Knowing how nice and grounded Colton Pareko is, I have to believe he said to you, "No, what can I do for you?" Yeah, he's a he's a great guy to work with on and off the ice, that's for sure. Army, speaking of leadership, we've been talking a lot about Alex Petrangelo's future in St. Louis and how the pandemics have affected those contract talks. And he was on our airwaves yesterday on 101 ESPN with Ribs and BK. And rather than tell you what he said about those talks, I'm going to have a a piece of sound here played for you. And then I I just want to know how do you think the pandemic has affected those conversations? But here's what Petro had to say. Um, I've heard, you know, people say it before and they've asked me that before. And I don't think it's really going to affect you know, maybe as much as people think it may, but I think the hardest thing for teams, whether it's me or, or, or a different free agent is, um, or a restricted free agent, whatever it is, they're going to have to find ways to be more creative than maybe they, they were planning on before, especially after they had said that the, uh, the cap was going to go up. So I think it's just more teams finding ways to make things work, finding different ways to make things work. And, um, again, I think both sides know that this wasn't really planned from, from anybody. So I think everybody's going to have to kind of sit down and, and try and work things out. So, Army, after you hear that, from your standpoint, how has the pandemic affected these talks, and what do you think about that? those conversations moving forward? Well, I thought uh, Alex's response is, is, would be very similar to mine, that, uh, uh, you know, in March we, we left the uh, <clears throat> general manager's meeting thinking the cap could be from 84 to 88. Uh, now we think it's going to stay uh, flat at 81.5. Um, and then more of the concern is uh, future revenue, like, you know, how quickly do we get back to where we were uh, when the pandemic started? But ultimately, we do have to get creative, and we're going to have to find a way to sit down with Alex and his, and his representatives when uh, uh, we, we, A, know the landscape moving forward, and that's not going to be till after the playoffs, and then uh, when next year's cap is set, when we have <clears throat> there, there, there's potential discussions on an extension of the CBA, which will certainly have an effect on, on these talks. But our goal hasn't changed, and Alex is our captain. I'd love to keep him here. When you use that word creativity, and Alex used that for that term as well, what are some of the things that you've done in the past? To, and you don't have to give us specific players, but how can you get creative to fit players in? Well, it's a little more difficult than it was in the past in the sense you could put bonus uh, bonuses in contracts. Uh, that's very difficult to do now. That you're only, the only people out to get a bonus is 35 or older or an entry-level player. So I guess creativity is, is uh, moving the, the chess pieces around, and probably one has to fall off the table so another one can stay. Got it. Army, it's hard to believe, but we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the Blues hoisting the Stanley Cup, and Randy and I have been reliving those games, reliving those moments. We've been doing it here on 101 ESPN with our Play uh, Gloria games, but Randy and I used to sit together in the press box, and before every game, we had our little rituals and superstitions that we had, and it wasn't even a a conscious thing. It was kind of a subconscious thing. So we were talking about other rituals that people had before those games because they were so intense, and you you wanted to control something about how you approached those games. 
games. So I'm curious, did you have any sort of superstitions or rituals that you had to do before a big game? Um, no, not really. I just, uh, uh, when the games were at the Enterprise Center, I'd just sit in my office right almost till puck drop and watch other games on television, try and keep my mind occupied uh, with what's going on. Obviously, uh, the, the best part of hockey is when you're playing and you, you turn the TV on and there's no other games on. That means you're, <laughs> you're you, you've, made, you've made it to the finals. But, uh, no, I, I don't really have a lot of superstitions or rituals. Uh, don't drive to the rink the same way or anything like that. It's just... Uh, uh, just come in and go to work. Army, one of the things that happened last year throughout the playoffs for the Blues is you had so much success playing on the road and playing before a hostile environment where you weren't really getting the energy of at least your home crowd participating for you. How do you think that'll manifest itself without fans? Do, uh, w- will there be any sort of a, because you're going to be a, a higher seed, a home ice advantage in, in these games that you'll play? Well, I think that there are, hopefully our experience and our maturity is going to come in that you have to self-motivate. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things that, that none of us are used to uh, <clears throat> being quarantined. We're quarantined right now. Uh, we, or we were, we're coming out of it, but we were with our loved ones in our in our house. You could go for a walk. I, I think, I'm not sure what the rules are going to be in these cities, but uh, if you if you go from the hotel just back to the arena and, and you go on a long run, uh, you're, you're there for, for, you know, 70 days. So you, you got to, we're going to have to, I think maturity is going to, and, and the ability to um, compartmentalize and, and, and just prepare to, to play the games are going to be very important. I think being a good road team indicates that, that we, we don't, we, we can self-motivate. Uh, we don't need the other other things to get us ready, and I think that hopefully will will pay dividends. And you've been around teams where on a 24-man roster there might be one or two outcasts, 22 people that are close and one or two outcasts. This team is remarkable in how well all of them get along. And that for some teams, it might be an issue to be together for seven, literally be together for 70 days. I don't see that with the Blues. No, and I think it, it's, um, you, we saw it last year, but it really uh, manifested and showed itself after we had success and won. Uh, you know, we were the first team and only team uh, when we gave the ring uh, to the Hockey Hall of Fame and everybody went. Uh, you know, these political times are, 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 are crazy right now, uh, and even before what's happening in our society today. But, you know, all of our players went to, went to the White House and, and uh, celebrated the office and celebrated, um, you know, the ability to, to, to go there. So uh, our guys do everything as a group. I see them out for dinner all the time. Uh, so it's, it's a unique uh, unique uh, group of players in that way. And, again, that, that goes to our, to our three captains. Army, one more for me. You mentioned what's going on in our country right now, and I know that the Blues as an organization put out a statement, a joint statement with the Cardinals about one nation condemning racism and intolerance in our country. I know Ryan O'Reilly has put out a statement through the Blues and several other Blues players have spoken up um, on their own platforms. And in normal times, air quote, normal times, it would be very easy for you guys to get everybody together at the facilities, to have a team meeting, to talk about a plan of action and things like that. But we're in the middle of a pandemic and everyone is stationed at their homes in different cities. So from a communication standpoint with the team, how's that been to discuss whether it's with Ryan O'Reilly putting out a statement or just talk to the players about what's going on in the country today from from a communication standpoint? Well, quite honestly, we we all you know we allow the players to express themselves any way that they they see fit, and uh, no, no, when any when any 
any sane human being saw what happened to the uh, in Minnesota, they knew it was wrong, and uh, people are, are are disappointed. And uh, but I think people are hoping this is going to be an avenue of change, and we let our players express themselves in, in the way that they can. And uh, certainly, uh, we're, we're hoping for brighter days ahead. And uh, uh, it, it was just a, obviously a very sad time in our in our in our society. Doug Armstrong, one more thing before we let you go. Uh, once we do get started, and obviously we're looking at a month, a month and a half, perhaps two months to get started, but uh, the way things appear to have been laid out, you're really going to be on a run of working hard, aren't you, with the rest of the season in the playoffs, then perhaps a one-month off-season, and then another season. The, 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 this could be a real grind for a general manager coming up. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. Uh, you know, you you hope to you hope to play as long as you can. I guess now it used to be the spring. Now you you want to play as long as you can into the spring or the, or the summer and the fall, and then we'll have to have a quick turnaround. There'll be free agency that we have to deal with. There'll be a draft that we have to deal with. Um, and again, just uh, are we going to play? What, what's what's the pandemic going to be like at that point? Uh, are we playing in front of fans, and that affects our scouting staff with the American Hockey League, our our, uh, our minor league affiliate plus all the junior and scouting. So there's going to be a lot going on and uh, it's going to be an interesting time and uh, we'll just have to be ready to adapt and roll with uh, whatever comes up. Army, great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning. We appreciate it and we hope to do it again soon. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Stay safe. You too. Take care. That is Doug Armstrong, the POHO, President of Hockey Operations and General Manager of your St. Louis Blues. Poho is a great title. It is. Yeah, you got the Pobo with the mm-hmm. Cardinals and Poho with the Blues. That was Doug Armstrong. Thanks to him for joining us. Next up, we're going to cross things over as we head toward Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs, the crossover on 101 ESPN. to cross things over with Dan McLaughlin at the end of our interview with Doug Armstrong. We always call him uh, the Blues Poho, President of Hockey Operations. And this note from the uh, Air Comfort Service text line, 65780 from the 309, a sex worker with no money is a Poho. Oh, man. <laughs> no. 309, no, come no, on. No. <laughs> that just happened. Randall. <laughs> no. Randy, you already got a dad joke in. So anyway, there's some baseball maybe getting played. You know, the NBA's coming back. I'm just going to... I don't want to be... I don't want to be affiliated with the POHO. (laughs) Unless it's Doug Armstrong. Yeah, unless it's Army. Correct. I thought that's where you're going, just... Talking a little hockey, you know? So I had the... Hey, happy weekend. <laughs> happy weekend to you, Dan. Uh, like one of the... What, what's, the what's the biggest highlight of your life? Since the, the, I got the biggest highlight of my life today being uh, getting a package of Big League Chew with my picture on it. And that's for you. And you gave it to me. Thank yeah. you. That, I, got I just had the highlight. I, I, I got multiple, so Colin and, and Michelle have them too. But I want to know what, what your highlight is. I don't know, man. I mean... Like a serious highlight, I guess the birth of my children. That's a highlight. That's a pretty good thing. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be pretty good. I saw the first two. I was on a plane. Uh, My twins came early, and I was on a plane ride going to do a game for ESPN and basketball. And um, I was in the middle of the plane. They told me about my plane ride. My wife went into labor on us. I was over in a stoppage. Uh, layover to go somewhere. I think I was going to Virginia to do a game with the Cavaliers, and um, 
Well, turned right around, came back, missed the birth of the twins. But, uh, yeah, which was sad. I, I wanted to see that. But, yeah, that, that's like seeing my kid born. I, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen yeah. in my life. It's just, how does that happen? It's yeah, wild. It's, it's a miracle. I got a quick one for you because one of your favorites, like mine, is the former Rams PR director, Rick Smith. Hey, uh, Randy, how you doing? Hey, uh, so I am interviewing... Good to see you, character. (laughs) That was Rick. (laughs) And so I am in a a completely empty Rams Park locker room with Mark Rippon in 1997, December of 1997, doing an interview that Rick Smith set up. And I guess I had my cell phone off because I was doing an interview. I was more responsible at that time. And Rick Smith walks into the empty locker room and says, uh, Hey, uh, Randy, I think you're going to have to cut this one short. We just got a call and your wife's in labor, so I think you're going to want to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's so, awesome. So I raced home, picked up, because Katie came early, too. Raced home, picked up the baby bag. You always have that prepared oh, to take right. to the hospital. Uh, forgot a camera and uh, yeah. got to what is uh, now Mercy, what was in St. John's in plenty of time for the birth of Katie. And then I wound up buying one of those old cameras where you, you the, the gift Kodak, store or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, disposable? Yeah, yeah. A disposable one. And uh, so, and then it was December, she was born on December 5th, 1997. December 7th, the Rams are playing in, of all places, New Orleans. Where you got to go. So on December 6th, I'm on a plane to New Orleans La. I mean, come on, man. You got to go. I did. You had a job to do. To my credit, I did have. To your credit, just to ask you. I I didn't have dinner on Bourbon Street. I I got room service. You tried to tone it down. I did. Yeah. Okay. Responsibility. You're a dad now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. To the greatness of Rick Smith, who I adore. He was great. Probably my favorite PR guy of all time. But I I go to him before the game because the one city in the NFL that you couldn't get out of on a Sunday night was New Orleans. It was the only one. You had to wait till Monday morning. I said, uh, hey, Rick, you know, we just had the baby on Friday and I want to get home and there's no flights out. Can I hitch a ride with you guys? And Rick set it up so that I was able to get on the Rams charter after that game. Yeah. uh, Which is really good on Sunday night. You know, the common person that's listening to this would say, well, that, of course. I mean, just hop on the plane, right? But that's really like sacred mm-hmm. territory when it comes to travel and media and teams because that's their office. That's the player's office. So, yeah. you, you you know, you're privy to some things that maybe the, that you shouldn't be. Um, and I'm on charters all the time. And what, what, I'm, what I mean by that, nothing nefarious. I just mean like, you know, guys are enjoying themselves. Right. So, you know, having a, a couple of beers and, you know, playing cards. Well... They're playing with money that maybe, and the, the piles are pretty high that normally, right. that quote-unquote normal person would be playing. So you don't want that stuff well, out. And that's their world. That should be their world. And specifically to football, because you have the 53 players and the massive coaching staffs, you have, every, there's a place for everything and everything for a place on an airplane. Everything is charted out yeah. on the, the week before. He, this guy's sitting here, this person's sitting here, this person's sitting here. So they had to... Get a spot for me, too. Right, right. And and the way that we do it now with the Cardinals, it used to be kind of a free-for-all where you would get on and it was a normal plane, like, a, you know, what you'd be taking to whatever. It wasn't a puddle jump or anything like that. And uh, some the, the first class was the, um, the coaching staff, but Tony didn't sit in first class, but he did sit in the first seat after first class. 
and myself and usually Jim Hayes were in the row over from that or two back. Uh, Marty Mason for years, the bullpen mm-hmm. coach, sat behind me. He was a hoot. Um, Great guy. Yeah, awesome. And now it's uh, the media is in the back, and then you have a lot of the players and the coaches in the in the front as you go forward. But um, or some of the coaches are in the middle. But it's everybody's very very respect. I've never seen a bad incident really on a charter. I know there, there's been stuff that's happened with other teams and you hear about it, but players have always been very respectful to me and vice versa. Did so anybody ever surf? Did Brad, did Brad Thompson ever surf? Surf? What do you mean? Like, get like on, on the, the internet? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Get on a tray and be on the... Uh, no, I never, I never saw that. No. Okay. Like <laughs> Teen Wolf or something on top of the car? Yeah. No, no, I never saw anything like that. So you talked about where Tony sat. Does everyone have assigned seats? Do you have a plane buddy that you sit with every time? Mine is Jim Hayes. Every I, time? I've sat with Jim Hayes on those planes for... You know, ever since Jim started, uh, you know, doing Cardinals TV, so that's got to be close to two decades. I'm well over two decades, so Jim has been my partner and and um, one of my best friends in life. I mean, we talk about everything. He's, you know, sometimes you get on a plane, it's one in the morning, you can't sleep, you just sit there and talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on with your family? What are you doing? You know, I, I, I watch a lot of movies, I read a lot, I do a lot of research for the next game or whatever. Just something to keep you busy. The cat is one of the great people. He is. Because he's, great. he's he's a great smart aleck. He keeps you on your toes. Um now I, I said there hasn't been incidents on charters. <laughs> I should I should resend that because I would get on that we're walking out of the runway and the players always go first. We're the last. And I'm usually I always want to be the last guy on the charter, but there's always a, a team trainer, Chris Conroy, that says, "No, no, no, you go ahead of me. You're going." To, so I'm usually either last or second last. And uh, Matt Holiday, fans wouldn't understand this, but Matt Holiday is one of the great smart asses in the world. I mean, he is funny dude, and you wouldn't see that as a player. You know, he's very stoic. He he just does his job. He's hitting bombs. You know, I mean, and he's he's not gregarious, right? I mean, he's just kind of a stoic. Dude, but there's a sense of humor that's in there that's unlike any other. So Jim gets on the plane, and I would get on, and I'd say, I'd go right by Matt, and so Jim's way up in front of me going to the back of the plane. I'm like, you've got to get on him today. You know, you've got to get on him tonight. He's like, done, done. I'm, I'm all over it. I'm all over I'm like, awesome. I said, I'm going to bury my head under the seat, but Jim's going to be next to me. So just gonna do whatever you got to do. So all of a sudden, Charter's kind of quiet. All of a sudden, you hear from the front, Hey, cat! Cat! We want you up here, kitty cat! You know, get up here! Hey, cat! I mean, just screaming. And Jim would be there. He's like... And I can just picture Jim. He closed his eyes. He's like... Ah, uh, dear Lord, God, not now, not, not just, I don't want it, not, I just don't want it right now, because everybody loves him, right, the players yeah. love him, they yeah. get in trouble, it's a, and it's a, out of respect that they do it, they enjoy being around him, so stuff like that was fun to we see that happen. because we care, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. kid because he care. That's fun. Yeah. What do we got coming up on Scoops with Danny Mac? Well, talk about baseball again. Talk a little bit about uh, Alex Petrangelo and, and great interview with Rivs and BK yesterday, um, I think legacy is important, you know, to staying in a in a city. I, I don't know if everybody believes that, but I do. But uh, a lot of baseball, Derek Gould will be my guest, too. So we'll dive into what's happening with the uh, labor front of MLB. Have a great weekend. You Thank too, you, guys. Thanks. That is the great Dan McLaughlin, the voice of the Cardinals on FS Midwest, and our teammate here at 101 ESPN Scoops with Danny Mac coming up. Thanks to our producer today, Tommy Freeze Pops Carroll, wearing here's the, the, the Red Sox guy wearing his Cardinal shirt.
Got my NL squad. I'm, I'm <laughs> impressed. Nice. Uh, Colin Surrey is always doing great work for us. He will be with Danny. He was running the board here and, of course, helping out with the show. Michelle, you were terrific as always. Hope your toe is better. Thank you, Randy. Have a great weekend. You too. And we all appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And until Monday at 7 a.m., have a great weekend, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.